Six. Uh, but it was touching the cord, so I'm going to do it again. Oh, yeah, that's a reroll. Ten, but paper. <laughs> uh, that one bounced off the keyboard. Is that still good? Uh, was it touching the keyboard? I th- you need to reroll it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> that legitimately fell on the floor. But it was a seven. Sure um, did. Okay. Go. Okay, that one landed on the keyboard. Uh, that one's on the cord, though. So I think again. Let me actually move the cord so it doesn't hit that. Yeah, and make sure and... you're not rolling on carpet or anything like that. No, I'm not. Although I'm standing on carpet, does that matter? Um, it, six. it could affect the roll, yeah. Uh, another 10 on paper, though, that time. I got a four. A four. Chris, this is perfect. The topic that your die has determined we'll be discussing today is how do you give a player who's leaving your game a satisfying send-off? Perfect. You and I added this question a couple of episodes back in episode 12. And what a fine coincidence that we've rolled it today. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about running tabletop role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. And this week it's just us, folks. As you heard from the top, uh, we we rolled, straight roll, no modifiers, uh, number four. So I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this, Andy, because I have a player who's leaving as of tomorrow. By the time this episode airs, this player will have left your game? Yes, yeah, completely left. She is moving to Washington, D.C., um, which is great for her, although very sad for the group. Yeah. But yeah, she's been playing in the lunchtime game that I've been running for almost two years. I need to look up the actual date. Wow. But um, yeah, I've been there since the beginning. Yeah, so we are we're trying to figure out exactly how to do a big send off. So we decided to get together outside of lunchtime, and we're going to do a like three hour session, like oh, we're teenagers yeah. or something, at night. <laughs> um, but yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, but I have to kind of remember how to actually prep for that long of a session, um, which is a challenge. <laughs> the nice thing about an hour long session is you just kind of like yeah, get a little bit ahead, and then you can you can take it from week to week. Yeah. Yeah, but I think before we get into the topic at hand, I wanted to ask you, so recently, what have you been reading, watching, listening to, gaming-wise, that you've been thinking about? The thing that jumps to mind is I've been off and on for the last couple months, actually. I've been playing a video game called Red Dead Redemption 2. Are you familiar with it? Yeah, the cowboy one. It's the cowboy one, and it's basically like a cowboy simulator, almost. And I don't have any super grand takeaways from it except that it has really been teaching me about the difference between a game experience that is fun and a game experience that is satisfying (laughs) and i say that because it's not that fun to play okay in in the sense in the video game sense that like you're having an exciting time and your adrenaline is up and you're clicking buttons and getting feedback that's rewarding you for what you're doing Uh, It's a lot of kind of slow, ponderous activities that you do as part of the game. Hmm. And you can easily spend an hour of the game, which in my case, you know, might be as much time as I have to play on a given evening, just going into town and buying food for your camp and maybe getting your horse cleaned or something like that. And then then hoofing it back to camp. And then that's, you know, an hour has gone by. And it's really not fun. But it's, <laughs> but that's it's a gr- great review of the game. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, 11 out of 10, not fun at all. But it is very satisfying over the long term because over the weeks I've been playing this, weeks and months actually, 
Uh, it just builds this sense that this world is very real and that it has a, a real weight to it by making me do all of the stuff that most video games would skip over in between the exciting missions. It just adds a depth to it that's not in other games. And it's just made me think about this in terms of tabletop role-playing games because a lot of the discussions we've had, including on this podcast, kind of are centered around how do you keep the game fun, right? How do you keep people from not having fun? How do you increase the amount of fun people are having in different situations? But I think there's something to be said for not chasing fun too fanatically and trusting that uh, a series of sometimes fun but not always fun games will over time add up to an experience that people look back at like a difficult book that is satisfying to read but wasn't always highly entertaining while you were in the process of reading it. Does that make sense? It does. Does Red Dead Redemption, when you do activities or complete things, does it give you like flashing lights and high scores and things like that? Or is it very, by the numbers, you finished it and now you go off and go clean up your horse and get more food? There's not much in the way of real flashing like reward feedback. There's some. And there are definitely moments when the video game-ness of Red Dead breaks through kind of the broader immersive experience. Sometimes it's it's nice that that video game breaks through occasionally reminds you that, yeah, you're playing a game. Uh, sometimes it's like an unpleasant reminder that like, oh yeah, I was immersed in my cowboy role and I'm actually playing a video game. But overall, it's a good mix. It's an interesting game. Like, I mean, even if you're not that enthused about the idea of playing, you know, whatever, an 80 hour cowboy epic <laughs> for that reason alone, honestly, it's worth playing like five to 10 hours just to see what I'm talking about. Have you had that experience either with like a video game or maybe with a tabletop experience? You know, that's interesting. Um, not really, although that can't possibly be true. I think these days, if I'm not enjoying something, I'm pretty quick to put it down um, just because there's so many other fun things to do out there. That said, though, now that I'm thinking about it, like I just finished up If on a Winter's Night, a Traveler, hmm. the book by Calvino. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I just finished up, you know, a couple months. But it took me two years to actually get through it. It just sort of sat on my bedside table taunting me now and then. And I would pick it up and read a page or two and then put it down for a month and then, you know, pick it up and then, you know, plow through 10 or 15 pages at a time and then put it back down. But it's it's not a easy-to-follow book, you know, and that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes all over the place. As soon as you feel like you've grabbed on to the story and you're understanding it, it kind of just drops you and goes on to the next thing. It's very beautifully written, and there's just some amazing parts and pieces to it, and it's just phenomenal, and I couldn't really explain it in a synopsis at all. you know. But I'm really glad that I've read it. I will never read it again, and I have a hard time recommending it. <laughs> so it's one of those classic like English major books where you, mm-hmm. you read it to have read it yeah. almost. Um, but this one, I mean, since I'm not doing a degree or anything, like it was totally optional, but like I just really wanted to get through it, and there was something satisfying. Yeah. about about doing that. Yeah, so very little of it was fun, but very satisfying by the time I was finished with it. You know, thinking about this in tabletop terms, you know how much I'm enjoying the Blades in the Dark game I'm running. And mm-hmm. I like I, I like Blades in the Dark. I like Fate Core. I like a lot of these more modern kind of storytelling geared games. But I sometimes wonder if you have to be careful that you don't lose the boring parts that are in more traditional games. Blades in the Dark really doesn't want you to spend a long time like haggling with merchants 
to get a slightly better deal on 10 foot spans of rope, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's something you do in traditional D and D and traditional D and D wants you to make sure you're buying enough food for your expedition and things like that. And when playing these more modern games, there's this, you want to jump to the fun, exciting parts, right? Blades wants you to start in media res, uh, wants to jump right to the exciting part of the missions. But I think that there's value in remembering that that filler stuff, it does over time. If you don't overdo it, I think it can also add to the experience, but in a different way than like the exciting action scenes do. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's interesting that like kind of mundane moments can really be meaningful in a game. Have you had any moments in games that you've run where you you kind of focused on something very mundane and it ended up being an interesting kind of narrative or story? Where it's come out in the past are in investigative games like Call of Cthulhu. Which, by the way, the first couple episodes of the show, I was mentioning Call of Cthulhu constantly, but I I just want to point out to you and to listeners that it's been probably like four or five episodes since I've. <laughs> called on a Call of Cthulhu anecdote. We'll right? erase so, it on the board and, you know, okay. have <laughs> yeah, zero right. episodes, zero episodes without a Call of Cthulhu. And you, for you, this is Blades, your Blades references. Yes. I've already tanked that. For yeah. this <laughs> Call of Cthulhu is a game where, you know, when you're doing your investigating, you're not always talking to the right people or going to the right places. You're just following your best investigative hunches. And that's where I think good role-playing and good GMing can add a lot of incidental encounters with NPCs who maybe aren't that important to the plot, but uh, who either catch the character's eyes or the, the GM just decides on the fly, hey, I'm going to play up this interaction and make it a little meatier. I don't know. I think I I think that's where I've seen mundane stuff end up, end, end up being genuinely pretty interesting and fun. And then when you look back at the adventure later, sometimes it's those like silly interactions you have that are almost more memorable than the fight with the monster at the end, right? I had this moment in a game that I was running that sort of fizzled out where they were camping for the night and I went pretty hard on like making every character tell me exactly like what they do at the campground to like get ready for bed. You know, I'm like, yeah, what do they do to relax before they go to sleep or, or rest or meditate depending on the, <laughs> the character? Um, yeah, but that was really fun to do. And it was totally a mundane moment. Like there was no threat of battle. Like, right. They were just around the campfire sort of figuring it out. And they had some pretty good moments where they even talked to each other sort of about like past history and, and things like that. In a in a way, it was manufactured, right? Because I was telling them very directly, like we're going to take take some time at the table <laughs> to get to talk about these things. But it also allowed, I think, the players because they were receptive to it. If a player is receptive to it, right, you can do this. But they were ready to kind of talk through some of those things, um, and it was really fun. And like I remember that way more than any of the the random encounters that they had. That's a much better example. And now that I think of it, yeah, that is absolutely a good place where that mundanity over time reinforces itself to become something more cool. And yeah, I've I've run games in this and I've played in games where, you know, during a travel sequence the GM will drop in an encounter or basically a topic of discussion and just turns it over to the players to in character converse about what their player how their player reacts to spotting mm -hmm. whatever such as the flag off in the distance of a rival kingdom or something and it, those little moments can be neat opportunities to just fill in some of the cracks in your campaign room 
something that I pretty blatantly stole from a much better GM than <laughs> than I, Austin Walker. He does Friends at the Table. He writes for Waypoint. He, he does all sorts of stuff. But during a Blades in the Dark game that he was running that I listened to years ago, he made all the characters tell him what what sorts of clothes they were wearing to a party. And I'm positive I've even done this for games that you've played in <laughs> with me, but it's a really fun sort of thing to stop and think about, like sort of a fashion sense question, you know, and think through your characters like, yeah, like what would they wear to a party? Like what would, how would they dress up? You know, like would they be wearing a tux or would they like not care at all? Or like, yeah, all these, these sorts of things that are just so far outside the like, but I can punch real good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sort of stats. <laughs> I remember you asking that in our blades game. Yeah. I remember trying to come up quickly on the fly. I'm like, yeah, how do I dress? Yeah. So, hey, um, the real reason we've gathered today here, Chris, is to discuss this very honestly rolled uh, <laughs> topic today, uh, which is just as a reminder, we are going to discuss uh, how you give a player who's leaving your game a good send off. And this is something that you are facing right now as we speak, because you are sending off a player soon. But before we before we talk about how you are, I plan to ask you how you are okay. going to send the character off. So you if you haven't figured it out, you have maybe a minute or so to yeah. put that together. <laughs> yeah. But have you played in a game where somebody left and they were given a send off that was either memorably good or memorably bad? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have played in a game in which I was the player getting sent off because I was having a, a child at the time and it was just not going to work with my schedule. Always a good reason? Yeah, always a really good reason. Yeah, so it was the uh, Trail of Cthulhu game I was playing in. And I was playing this sort of like priest character and yeah, the GM, yeah, GM Matt Wilson, you know, worked in this really good kind of story sort of final conflict for me that brought me pretty close to going insane and all that. And then gave me a very good natural sort of like spot to just camp out for the rest of the the campaign. Um, because you know, if I'd gone on any longer, I was clearly going to lose my mind and all sorts of bad stuff was going to happen but yeah that was it was a really fun sort of story beat and like the feeling of that moment really sticks with me of like finality about the character um in a way that you kind of you don't have when you're playing through a game like you're not you always have it sort of in the back of your mind like okay this player could go away if i have a bad role or you know something something goes wrong but this was very much like a this is my last sort of final boss encounter sort of thing and if you finish it up and then there's like a epilogue and then i'm not going to play right because i have to go do do other stuff but yeah it was it was really good and they continued on i'm, I'm not actually sure of all the details of what happened after that because I, I lost a little bit of track because i you know had a baby <laughs> that <I> was <laughs> dealing with um yeah but like yeah so i mean that was a really cool moment and i think one of the reasons i wanted to talk about this is I would like to be able to give that to the player in some fashion, but I also don't want to like manufacture it if it's not something that they really care about. Mm-hmm. So I I had asked her a couple of days ago if she there's anything she wanted to do for the character. She she got back to me with you know at least one thing that she wanted to do. You know, so I'm going to try to work that in. But yeah, I don't know. So there's probably a number of stuff in there to to react to. But yeah, what are your thoughts? Did you have you ever had a send off, or have you ever been sent off? Yeah, I guess I have. The most memorable one was a number of years ago, I played in a very satisfying and fun, both of those things, fourth edition Dark Sun campaign. It was really fun, a great group of players, great GM, everything was clicking really well. And then one of the players 
announced that he was moving out of state. Mm-hmm. And as it happened, this player was really like the heart of the group. Like, you know, this, the most enthusiastic one, the one who was always picking up the slack for the rest of us when we were feeling out of it or when we weren't feeling super enthused about the game. The, the real heart of the group. And I can't put myself in the GM's brain to know what was going on. But what kind of happened, and I don't know if this was the right thing to do, but we kind of decided that if this player was going to be leaving, his absence, you know, both in the physical group of people gathering around the table and his absence from the party within the game was going to be such a big game changer that we just decided to wrap up the whole campaign. So we went through a send off for like everybody because it was like, okay, we got to wrap up everybody's let's, let's wrap up everybody's plot lines and then player X is going to leave. And then maybe we'll get something together afterwards or maybe we won't. As it turned out, we, we did play, continue playing after that player left, but you know, the, just the heart wasn't quite in it, but it was an, it was a neat experience, you know, thinking through being put on the spot to just think about, yeah, how does my character want to go out? You know, am I going to die in a blaze of glory? Am I, do I, you know, what are my goals and um, do I want to meet them by the time the campaign wraps up or not? But it's, it's funny that you said blaze of glory. Cause that was one of the options I presented to the player. It, it was like, kind of like, do you want to go out in blaze of glory? Do you want to betray everybody? Nice. <laughs> do you want to just sort of like fade off into the sunset or do you want, you know, some fourth option I'm not thinking of. <laughs> right. But I, I mean, I like all of those for various reasons. The the game that we're currently playing would not lend itself well to like betraying the party and, right, right. and going over to the dark side or anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fun to think about sort of that like final stuff about a character. Cause I think most people's, experience with ending a game is either it fizzles out or the campaign wraps up somehow. So you might get a chance to do an epilogue, but for the most part, it's probably just like, Oh yeah. Like we got to level whatever. And then, you know, enough people moved or like we just stopped scheduling and then just never picked it back up. Yep. I think like, uh, I think when we play games, this is going to sound very highfalutin. So let me just give you a second. (laughs) I think when we play games, and this is something that John Corey, past guest, also mentioned to me one time, like we are trying to, we're trying to play sort of a genre that we really like. Like we're trying to play a story within a genre that, that we personally like. And that's what really connects us to games. You know, I think all the stories and the reason that we're attracted to playing games is are mostly because it's sort of like a complete arc and you have sort of the, the wrap up and it's really satisfying. And they went on this big journey and this grand adventure and stuff. I know that I don't do enough work thinking about the, like, like where that arc is going to end, right? It's very easy to kind of keep things going and keep opening things up and stuff, but like closing things off and sort of wrapping things up and coming to good conclusions is just other different beasts that I don't think we talk about all that often in RPG circles and stuff. There's a million sort of like, how do I get started GMing? How do I start running this thing? There's very few, like, how do I wrap it up articles written? When you start a campaign, and people are making their characters. We ask players, you know, lots of different questions as they're creating a character. What is their personality like? You know, what uh, do you ask what their goals are in a way that can be translated to, you know, an actual campaign goal? Like, I want to rescue the princess. 
You know, I haven't, and I'm regretting that, right? Like now that I'm in this position where I'm, I'm thinking about how things are wrapping up a little bit more. Yeah, I'm really regretting not having that sort of in my back pocket of like, oh, you've been going after this thing the whole time. And like now we can either give it to you or just, you know, take it away at the last moment or, <laughs> you know, give you some sort of choice where you have to actually be like, okay, actually that I don't actually care about that anymore because now I care about mm-hmm. X, Y, or Z. Yeah. So I don't really do that. Um, part of me wants to just kind of like take a pause on all the games that I'm running and say like, okay, tell me your character's core goal and what they're really after. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? Do you do that? Uh, not too much. I, I have played in games that make that part of the official character creation process that you jot down what you're doing. And mm-hmm. I, I think maybe 13th age might incorporate this in character creation. It might not. I, I would like to do it more because it would really help in situations like this. And it helps with GM planning when you know, when you know what the player, what kind of story the player is hoping to, to experience with their character without, without wanting to, you know, set that too much in stone, it can be really helpful for the GM, but I don't really ask that too much. I think if I did, I think it would be interesting to ask players to set sort of like a short-term goal and maybe a long-term goal. And the short-term goal might be something that you can tie that's tied into the adventure immediately facing them. You know, I want to, kill the the ogre king that's threatening my home village but the longer term goal might be something like i want to become the protector of the hidden valley or you know something a little bit more grand that would come into uh come into being over multiple campaigns you know i wonder if you did that if the the arc of the campaign would become a lot more obvious to you as the gm too like i'm trying to imagine if i had if I knew that there was, you know, six players at the table and I had these six sort of grand goals at the end that they wanted to try to hit, it's like, if you had that in hand, I think it would make everything feel probably a little bit different, you know, and for better or for worse, right? Because I think there's something to like, okay, you might have this grand plan, but we also need to go clear out this, you know, the, the dragon cave as well. Like you still got to do sort of all these little, little smaller things. It can't just be sort of gigantic story beat after gigantic story beat. For the same reason, right, you were talking about Red Dead Redemption, right? You you want some of that, like, mundane stuff mixed in there. But do you think, so if you stopped with, like, the the campaign that you're running, right, and you asked your players that, do you think that those things would align with the sort of story and campaign you're trying to run? It it, it really depends. It, I'm thinking about my, the Middle Earth game I'm running, the One Ring. It's uh, sort of a an off and on game and it's actually on hiatus for the summer at the moment so i've been thinking about when we start back up again in the fall what so i've been encouraging the players to to tell me what they want to do in a more long and slightly longer term way i haven't been quite as specific as we're talking here but you know i want them to think about you know what sort of uh, a person they want their middle earth characters to be i don't know it's hard to tell when you have a licensed when you have a setting that the players are really familiar with, like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or something, I feel like you could get a a better, clearer answer from them when you ask a player, what do you what do you want to do here, right? Because if you're playing Star Wars, you can ask everyone knows Star Wars and well enough that people could say something, could have a goal that like they would they would know is within the scope of the campaign world. But I found with like more generic D and D, you know, D and D that's either set in sort of generic fantasy land, or that's set in a D and D setting that's like at least somewhat obscure. So like your typical kind of casual player won't know the ins and outs of the setting. It's hard to ask people to set a goal there because they don't really know the shape 
the full shape and scope of your world and what stuff you are populating it with um, be outside of their line of sight. Uh, I am sure I'm not answering your question, which I think was, what would my players do if I asked them that? And I don't know. I've tried asking that in some different ways. And in the group I'm playing with now, I they're mostly casual gamers, and I think being asked, like, what do you want to do is kind of a weird question to them. Mm-hmm. I, I think for a lot of players, that's not really why they're at the table exactly. Yeah, I'm thinking about the the Blaze in the Dark game that we're playing. If I asked everybody, I think everybody's sort of playing it for different reasons. Like, I think there, there's some of us that are just sort of interested in Blades in the Dark as as an idea and, and want to play it for that reason, you know. And like others who are just, you know, it's like a fun fun chance to hang out. One guy, like, I'm excited that we get to play with him because he played for like a couple sessions in my D and D game, and it was super fun. And then he had to step out for various reasons. I did not give him a send off at all, right? Because he didn't even have a chance to really get get integrated into the group. Yeah, with that game, I feel like we're hitting a point where we need to have have a conversation about like, okay, so what are we trying to do here? Um, it's been super fun and it can continue to be fun, but it's sort of like if we're ever going to have any kind of wrap up, it's nice to have sort of a goal in mind mm-hmm. that we can either say you hit it or you didn't, right? And like, I don't think that goal is a satisfying if the goal is just like, well, we're just going to try to survive as long as possible. It's certainly a way to approach things. And I think a lot of people approach sort of like dungeon crawling sorts of games that way. Well, I was going to ask if you have asked other players how they think that this player should be sent off. Have you gotten feedback from the group as a whole, or has this just been a conversation you've had with this particular player? That is a super good question. No, I have not asked the rest of the group how they think, think it should go, but that would be... That'd be interesting. I have approximately 22 hours, though, before I have to run the game. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think it's gonna, yeah. <laughs> going to quite happen at this point. Um, can I just but, call Can I just call something? You, you're you going to just be winging this tomorrow when you're running <laughs> a game. You're just going to be winging this. Like, we both know it. Let's not pretend that between now and then you're going to sit down and plot out, uh, plot out something epic. Uh, yeah, well, uh, to my players who listen to this podcast, thank you for doing that. <laughs> Again, it's not required listening to play <laughs> playing the game, but uh, you will get to judge whether or not it was it was obvious that I was winning. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or you need or to not. email or contact the show with a critical review of of Chris's GMing, and we'll we'll go over it in detail in the next episode. Yes, please. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, live stream it and then do a critique. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not going to like, I, I will have some time to, to kind of plot that out a little bit, but I do, I do like kind of, I don't like having everything scripted because if I have it scripted, then I get really thrown off if it doesn't follow that script. So yeah. <laughs> I'll have some general ideas of, of where we can go and, and take it from there. Um, I am though, I guess getting back to sort of the meat of the question and thinking about some specific things we can do. I think one important thing that I'm going to try to do is make sure that there's plenty of opportunities for this character to show off in different ways Mm. so making sure that there are obstacles that can only be overcome with her abilities and like there's some good kind of hooks for things that she's done in the past that show up again those sorts of things making sure that if there is any kind of like bosses or major encounters that there's you know lots of stuff that she can do um, in there that, that is best suited to her character. So some of that I want to do, I don't want to go too overboard and just sort of make it three hours of like, let's watch the rogue roll, um, skill checks against locks. Yeah. 
there's going to be stuff that's placed way up high that's just better for her to get than anyone else and mm-hmm. stuff that's inside of like small little holes that you know only she can she can reach in and you know people to stab in the back those sorts of things <laughs> um you know i think that is satisfying it's like it is a little bit like you know you're sort of the the hero of the heroes for this session that's a great idea yeah and in addition to just being a nice thank you for playing you know a nice send off yeah you don't want someone's last game with you to be you know, a tedious slog where for whatever reason their character is like not able to participate very much. And yeah, yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah. a good idea. We might be, I might be backtracking with this a little bit, but it's not that common that I've been in games where someone was like leaving for good. The one example I described is a time when someone was leaving the state and like literally we were never going to see him again. That's pretty much the um, only time someone's allowed to just leave for good. I think. Right. Yeah. It, it's much more common where, when, where at some point during the campaign, someone's like, you know, guys, I, I can't, you know, I need to take a break from this for a while, or I need to just dial back my involvement. So I, I'm available to play every now and then, but I can't be a regular part of the campaign. And that's a different question, a related, but different question, because in that mm-hmm. one, you want to, you want to send them off in a way that either they that they can come back either as that same character or a, or in a different role mm-hmm. uh, without disrupting your campaign too much. That's a different uh, different topic, I guess. But that's no, that's good. It's so. Have you ever had a player do that where they've said, "I have to take a step back," and you're like, "Okay, great. I'll hang on, hang on to your character sheet. If you want to come back, you can." Have you ever had a character actually come back or a player actually come back? Yes, uh, yes. In fact. We, it was a, I think, fifth edition game. And someone, I don't know if they, they, it was a work game with some coworkers. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they left. I don't remember. Just, uh, they got a different job or something. I don't know. I don't remember the details, but it boiled down to he, his character was like pulled off into some other dimension and would just come back. He was tied to some weapon that another player had. I don't, the details are totally fuzzy, but he, he was available to come back to like assist. And it was set up that he was going off to like pursue this personal quest, but that every now and then he would be sent back or his personal quest would direct him back, you know, to, to play for a while with the, the other PCs. And that, that worked pretty well. I mean, it's a little, I mean, it's, it's obvious what we're doing, you know, it's not super plausible, I guess, but, um, that just sounds like a, a Michael Moorcock storyline. It, it it does, and you know that that means that if he can't play for six months, but then he can, and you just level up his character because his character's been off adventuring on his own, presumably, right? And then um, he can come in, and then you have some you know mystical excuse for why he can't stay around too long. That's super fun. Yeah, that style of play almost sounds a little bit more like the the West Marches style too where it's a little bit more drop in and drop out and i like that i wish there was more opportunities to have sort of an ongoing campaign like that and then have people show up as as they can because it's kind of a lot to ask of someone to join a campaign and it's hard socially i think to leave a campaign unless you are just straight up like i'm physically not going to be here anymore yeah you know but i mean there's plenty of reasons why someone might need to stop right they change jobs or like just a situation changes you know, they don't have as much time. And I think there's a lot of social pressure to sort of just keep on going, even if you're not quite into it. And yeah. some amount of that is good because sometimes you just got to force yourself to get out of the house or, or whatever. But yeah, like I like that, that idea of just working it into the story. 
of having some sort of yeah easy way for you to drop in and drop out. And not every game is going to work with that. You know, there are there are definitely games where you're going to want to ask your players to commit, mm-hmm. and that you can't easily accommodate someone coming in and coming out every few months or something like that. But at least at my age where gaming just generally is a little bit more casual and it's always with busy adults and we all understand how this goes. I mean, my campaign campaign almost has to be able to accommodate people coming and going because yeah, kids, families, jobs, (laughs) all those non-gaming things, all those non-gaming things. But you know, we've drifted off a little bit, a little bit of the core topic. And um, so are you planning to wrap up just this character storyline? This will be the end of her storyline for now, for sure. I think the the route she's chosen, I've been really cagey about this for some reason, but the route she's chosen is to just sort of fade off into the sunset a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's some good story hooks to where we can kind of, she can send her character pretty easily, where it would make a ton of sense for her to go back and like shore up the defenses at her hometown, those sorts of things. So that'll probably be yeah, spoiler alert for players who just played in the session. It's probably where she ended <laughs> yeah. up, but I guess you tell me what happened right. if that yeah. would have been a better, better option. You know, what would be fun is if you actually laid out the specifics of what you're going to do and then you can tell us in the next episode what really happened, which yes. would be nothing that you laid out because yeah. that's just how these things go. Right? Yeah. What really happened is they got like sidetracked, I'm sure. And like ended up just shopping. And then I just yeah. had to say goodbye. <laughs> like they yeah. spent three hours arguing with the blacksmith. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I would never let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I think there's some good like story hooks to where it's like her character can go and hang out and maybe they even go and see the character every once in a while. Or if she's ever back in town, like we can, you know, have her, you know, sync up with the, the party if she so chooses, or, you know, or not. Um, but yeah, so it's like, to me, it would be sad if just that character just sort of vanished from the world. So I, I like the idea of having, you know, some sort of influence um, staying around. But yeah, this is not the conclusion of like a lot of like a lot of different quests or a big kind of quest line. Although yeah, now it is making me think that I should have some of that built in. Cause just the nature of the game that we're playing, if someone changes jobs, right? Like it's going to make it hard for them to continue on. And I don't want to have them have to keep their job in order to play in the game. <laughs> so that's yeah. just some odd incentives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you, how do you think your game would be affected if you, the GM left if you had to move out of state would that be the end of the campaign do you think that the players would nominate a new gm to pick up this exact campaign and continue with the characters i don't think they would there's a couple of players who i think could very easily step into the gm role i think they would have different games they want to play um, and that's, that's totally fine. So I, I could see the group sticking together or if I flamed out or something and just was like, I'm never GMing ever again, but I want to play. <laughs> like, I think there would be, be a spot at the table, you know, for me if I wanted to. Please do that live on an episode. Oh yeah, podcast, yeah, definitely. Way. We'll live stream that one. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think if I left, I think they would, they'd probably disband, but maybe just reform, you know, the next week with under a different game. I can't think of a time when... A GM in my personal gaming life, when a GM stepped away and another GM like picked up the same campaign, mm. um, I could think of many examples, you know, where a GM stepped down or or got bored or decided they wanted to play instead. But uh, the the GM that 
took their place always started up something new. It was never like picking up where we left off. Maybe. I think it'd be, yeah, I think it'd be too hard. I mean, despite the fact that every GM wants to be a good note taker and keep like kind of a binder and a Bible of their, their campaign, like no one, <laughs> no one does. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, even if you did hand over the reins, it's like, there's a ton of NPCs. It's just like, I don't remember how that guy sounded like. And I don't even remember who the blacksmith was in this town. So like, let's just make a new town. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you don't have that ownership, you know, of it. you, you know, that, that would, that would take something away from the GMing thing that you have. You're playing with somebody else's toys, not, uh, not toys that you came up with, but. But anyway, yeah, I think we should wrap up, right? We've talked about kind of a lot of stuff, but we're also going a little, a little long. Um, yeah, thank you for letting me roll and re-roll and roll and re-roll until we got the result we wanted. But yeah, well, those, those were legit. That was yeah. a legit roll. Yeah. I did roll a four. It just took a while to get there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And you need to, between now and the next episode, you really need to clean up your gaming space so there's less, like, pieces of paper that the dice can bump into and other things that really... That really invalidate. Yes. So yeah. that's your homework assignment. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, let's see. So we should just do some wrap up stuff. Um, thank you to everybody who's listening to the show. Um, again, we know that there's a million podcasts out there, so you could be listening to almost anything else other than us. And we really appreciate any time that you are allowing us to just babble into your ear about gaming. So yeah, I appreciate that a ton. Uh, feel free to reach out. You can contact us. We actually have a contact page on the, the site now, which just lists our email addresses, but you can go there and send us a message if you want to. If you know anyone that you think would be great on the show, please drop us a line. We're always looking for new guests. We have a couple people lined up, but um, yeah, the more the merrier. Um, we'd love to have your GM on, or if you are a GM and you're just really mad that Andy and I haven't invited you on yet, you know, please reach <laughs> yes. out. We can, we can do that. And you know, if you have a, uh, if you have a topic you'd like to see us add to our uh, mm -hmm. table of topics, that would be great too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Andy, actually we did not talk about this beforehand, but I'm wondering Let's let's try this. So we just rolled four, and normally we'd replace that that topic. Let's just let's try this and see. So if you were listening to this episode and you have a good idea for a topic, it doesn't matter if you never want to be on the show or anything like that. Feel free to send it to us, and we'll pick the best one and add it. And if no one, <laughs> if no one sends us anything, we will just quietly add one ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If we have a suspiciously elaborate story about the number the vast number of people that emailed in you can you can uh, no that sounds great yeah please uh so send us a topic to replace the one we just discussed that would be awesome cool all right well um i have been chris salzman i have been and remain andy Rao. and remember if your players are having fun you're a great gm and if your players are satisfied you're a great gm too <laughs> okay <laughs>